say that organic reach isn't enough because I think that as soon as you start to get into paid reach, you're kind of, you're creating a wall, to be honest with you. As soon as yeah. you start to use that, it, it's kind of an addictive thing to where uh, these algorithms know that you have paid in. And so they'll start to diminish your organic reach. If you can't create and leverage an organic community and drive traffic that way mm -hmm. the idea that you're going to augment that with paid reach is kind of a black hole to be honest with you. on this episode of playtime we hear from michael finney a business strategy consultant focused on media and message and the new song from our featured indie artist from egypt osmanaga her latest single is is your heart okay In 2006, Lufthansa opened up an interactive museum near Frankfurt, Germany, dedicated to branding, a term not immediately associated with the arts. But branding has been there from the start with emerging genres. Led Zeppelin, Radiohead, and the Lumineers have a discernible brand. Arthur C. Clarke and Stephen King have clearly identifiable brands. Van Gogh, Picasso, and Frida Kahlo, likewise, are known for their specific styles. Michael Finney is the author of 1893 Chicago's Columbia Exposition, Arts and Culture from the Doorstep of the 20th Century. Michael is the host of his own podcast, The Episodic, available everywhere you get your podcast fix. And Michael Finney is also a business strategy consultant focused on media and message. The website is michaelfinney.com. Uh, and I'm guessing uh, based upon your last name, uh, Michael, uh, especially this time of year, a little bit Irish. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, there's some funny stories that go along with that. Just to clarify, my website is michael-finney.com.com actually goes to a magician. And, uh, you know, he's he's been out there doing it since the 90s. I think he's from Arizona. He's uh, worth, worth taking a look at, too. He's kind of a comedy magician. I've, I've had the opportunity to meet Michael Finney uh, as a, the, the magician. Uh, and and now, <laughs> now, now Michael Finney, the brand uh, uh, strategy consultant. So michael-finney.com. And I did have it here correctly and just shot right through it. So my oh, it's all good. Yeah. Don't sweat it. I don't mind talking about him, giving him a little, a little promotion. We're all doing SEO combat, you know, in terms of search engines. So absolutely. Um, you know, uh, that's part of why I created the the project, how to create a personal brand in 10 steps is because I am personally combating these sorts of things in terms of branding and mm -hmm. awareness and recognition, because there are people who have, you know, a longer established career or have made a 
bigger impression in terms of the web. So in that sense, like I'm competing uh, not only with other people that have my name, but also in the sense that like, I don't want, uh, you know, the things that I'm doing to get convoluted with magic or being a news broadcaster in the San Francisco yeah. market. And there are, you know, I'm not the only person. We are not the only three people with the name Michael Finney. There are lots of folks that share our name and, you know, to be able to differentiate and establish um, you know, your silo in terms of awareness, I think is important for everybody, not mm -hmm. just if you are in business, but like the further we go uh, into the future, I think that more and more people are going to be looking at establishing their personal brand in terms of creating, um, you know, for lack of better terms, sales funnels, you know, and yeah. the thing about that is to say that like, you want to be able to say like, these are the, these are the things I'm associated with these projects or these ideas, these concepts. And I want to make sure that if people are looking for those things, that they're finding the right person. And also it goes the opposite direction too. We're not only like trying to guide people towards us, but we're also trying to uh, inversely disseminate our messages out to them. So you really want to start with these kernels and build up on that. So that's kind of what the, the workbook and the video course do mm -hmm. is walks users through the process of establishing a, a design manual or a collection of assets that they're able to deploy over and over again, uh, wherever they find themselves digitally or physically. And that way it makes, it makes things easier and just you're able to reach for these things and say, this is what I need, a profile pic, I need these uh, short blurbs, or I need these other graphical elements or X, Y, Z, whatever the need might be so that you can quickly uh, create blogs or videos or podcasts or anything else you know, that, that you might desire to, to distribute. And, and I'd like to underscore the idea of differentiating yourself from the market. You brought up uh, several examples of other Michael Finney's that people can find on the web that are out there with, with your name. Luckily, not so many WC Turks. We, we had a conversation yesterday with, uh, with a, local, uh, a local musician, Asher George, who I'm going to bring up uh, about some things that he said uh, and a professor of his at DePaul said uh, in, in a little bit. He mentioned... I was asking him how, uh, ahead of this conversation, how he's able to differentiate himself in the marketplace. And he brought up this, which is, which is an outstanding and, and should be a, a rather intuitive observation that for, for a musician, and this holds, holds true for authors as well, but, but particularly for a musician in this market, in the digital, in the digital market, digital world, that the number of uploads will quickly bury a new artist and, and simply relying on, on an organic reach is, is not enough anymore, but you need to begin with a brand, whether, whether the brand is Michael dash Finney or something, something else that creates your particular space in, in the market. Do I, do I have that correct? Well, uh, you know, I don't want to say that organic reach isn't enough because I think that as soon as you start to get into paid reach, you're kind of 
you're creating a wall, to be honest with you. As soon as yeah. you start to use that, it, it's kind of an addictive thing to mm -hmm. where uh, these algorithms know that you have paid in. And so they'll start to diminish your organic reach. If you can't create and leverage an organic community and drive traffic that way, mm -hmm. the idea that you're going to augment that with paid reach is kind of a black hole, to be honest with you. So I don't advocate for people to start that way. And the other side of it is that like organic, developing organic reach, developing an organic community interest in that sense is kind of like the market proving whether or not what you're doing is compelling mm -hmm. too. You know, if you're not getting click throughs at the very least oh, and purchases on the other end, then like perhaps what you're doing is not uh, voiced right or attractive mm -hmm. to folks. So mm -hmm. that's kind of important. I wouldn't say that you want to start kind of putting money into search advertising or social media advertising right out of the gate mm -hmm. without an audience because it, it, it just doesn't determine things as well. Now that's to say that like, if you have built an audience or you do have, um, you know, a background in some stuff and you know how to utilize paid search, that can be a great tool to add into things. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, and you kind of need some of the base level assets. Um, if you're not collecting data, you're not getting emails from folks or you're not maybe getting them funneled into a newsletter where you can establish a drip campaign to follow up, then, you know, that, that might not be the way to go. But I think that like really building all that stuff out first mm -hmm. uh, in, in low or no cost scenarios is, is the best way to go because it begins to give you a collection of folks that you can reach out to, follow up with, establish communication with, uh, potentially even generate more content about uh, your project or other projects that you can basically begin to meter out over time. And that way you're not kind of stuck A-B testing a bunch of ads and, uh, you know, look, there are lots of startups uh, out in the world who think they have the solution and they're just burning capital. They're burning VC investment dollars and they fail. And like, it really doesn't matter how big their advertising budget is because they're ultimately going to be nine to nine out of 10 or 99 out of a hundred of the projects that just don't they're not able to turn the corner on that. So that's, uh, you know, I don't want to discredit what he's saying. I think that like he probably is in a scenario where he's kind of established a, a large enough audience and he's mm -hmm. able to leverage that network to make paid advertising uh, extend the viability of his organic campaigns. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, uh, we were talking uh, just earlier today, I was talking with a Nebraska artist who has a sizable and extremely loyal following. He paid, I think he, I think he said he paid $300 for, for two of his videos uh, that, that garnered almost 100,000 hits. But they were, they were really one-offs. They weren't, you know, it, it wasn't a part of his, of his overall strategy, except that he just he wanted to he wanted to bump his profile in in the market those those two times for sure and that's i think that that's the way to do it you know yeah. there's a a comparison i always make in terms of like artificial intelligence right mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. you have the 
abbreviation, uh, AI, right? And to mm-hmm. me, that is to say that AI to me means augmented intelligence. When we are utilizing technology and resources yeah. to extend the capacity of, of ourselves and our intelligence mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. our functionality. And what that person did in that scenario where they're like, I'm already going to be doing all of these organic things, but I have this one particular Mm -hmm. project or this one particular reach where I really want to extend it beyond the uh, organic numbers that I typically do. And in that case, yeah, that's absolutely the right thing to do because you're driving up, uh, you're driving up video views and everything yeah. else you're establishing new reach for your you know facebook page or your youtube or whatever it is that you're you're releasing that on and in that case it's probably driving new likes driving engagement it might be driving purchases additionally mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in and in that sense like yeah that's absolutely the thing to do so i don't want to necessarily say like you know don't do any paid reach or anything like that but mm-hmm. i think that like you know taking a bunch of money and dumping it into AdSense or even Facebook before you've built a community. And like, you're seeing that all over the place, uh, particularly like in the like crypto NFT stuff that's happening is these very directed community campaigns where people are, uh, you know, driving folks into discord groups where they're able to constantly engage and have conversations that are focused on that project or that topic. Mm-hmm. And then they're basically using that space to say, look, uh, because you are here, we're going to give you exclusive access to uh, participate in these things and uh, extend your experience. And in that way, you know, it makes a lot of sense uh, to, to be able to, um, you know, build mm-hmm. on top of that, to augment the, uh, the organic campaigns that you already have going. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's great. I, I keep coming back to this, though, especially when you mentioned algorithms. Uh, and uh, I just had a conversation with uh, Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters. They have, they have a song off their first album back in uh, 1991. I think, uh, I, I think that album came out called uh, Dumas Walker. About, uh, it, was, it was about a little... Uh, a little shop where they could buy fireworks and booze uh, in a, in a, outside of a dry county in Tennessee across the border. It became a runaway hit, even though everyone in the record company said, are you serious? But I, and I keep coming back to this, the, the film that broke the algorithms, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, sure. uh, in, in which, in which the, the artist had a vision it, it, it basically took the, the world or the market by storm. It never fits in, in an algorithm neatly with any other film. So if, so if, if you, if you order, order this, there's no, there's no subsequent connection or suggestion for, for anything other than Napoleon Dynamite. I'd just like to, to have you talk a little bit about that intuitive nature and and how um, and how that becomes uh, becomes part of part of a brand. Okay, so you know everybody needs to kind of dial into the things that speak to them, right? Right. right. Um, for Napoleon Dynamite, uh, you know, if you grew up in that period of time and you were um, mm-hmm. 
you know, part of an isolated community or you're just into stuff that all the popular kids aren't into or whatever, then it speaks to you. Not, you don't necessarily have to do and behave in all the the ways that Napoleon does to see that there is some uh, place for you to exercise your interests. It's both outsiders. Yeah, exactly. And like, and, and, Outsiders very, very well might outnumber uh, the in-group. Who knows? Maybe, maybe outsiders are the real in-group. And I think that like since Napoleon Dynamite, we've seen a lot of uh, that kind of come to play with the internet in the mm-hmm, sense that mm-hmm. there, there are no people or uh, interest groups that can't find each other and connect mm-hmm. and be able to establish community amongst themselves. Um so, you know, that <laughs> no matter whatever it is, you're able to kind of um, find, find your, your clan. Artists, writers, and musicians, we are not trained, and, and I say trained, not designed, to think of ourselves as a brand. For a lot of us, that feels far too corporate sounding. How do you get an artist or a creative person? Uh, and and is, it, is it much the same with, with a business person, even though I think business people are probably more inclined to embrace the term branding, but how, how do you get them to, to accept and embrace the term branding? Yeah, so I guess the, the thing that any creative is looking for is recognition, right? And yeah. to have people participate in the things that they create. And it can be really tough because, you know, you think that like your integrity is compromised by uh, profitability and, you know, that doesn't have to be true. Um, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Know, at the beginning, you were talking about Led Zeppelin and they, when they created, when they signed their contract, they gave up uh, or actually they retained creative control. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's incredibly important if you're willing to say, look, you know, the money aspect as an artist to me is not always like top line importance. But what is the what is important to me is the decision making and, you know, know, quote unquote, final cut. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like this is the art I want to create. This is the film I want to create. This is the song I want to create. And like my vision speaks not only to me, but from me to the people that I've already connected with, which has attracted you to even want to participate in the silo that I'm creating. Now, the other side of that is to say that like, look, you can't necessarily be um, like standoffish to the business sense of things. You just have to realize that like, for you to be able to do the art in the, the highest way that you can, perhaps you need to put in place other people who understand the the business side of things or particular business aspects better than you do. Maybe marketing really isn't your thing. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, finances aren't really your thing. Maybe branding really isn't your thing or whatever. So Mm -hmm. like uh, in that sense, like you need other people from the outside to look at you and what you're doing and assess and say like, look, these are the themes, these are the concepts that you're addressing, um, maybe in totality, but maybe only for this particular project. And we want to extract those things 
and create, you know, sounds and images that speak to this for other people to rapidly interpret Mm -hmm. or to utilize for the promotional mechanisms or for the sales mechanisms that need to be in place to make that project a success for you. However, you decide, uh, you know, that it's going to be at the end. And, and that I don't think really compromises like an artist's integrity or the creative process. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if you've set up the scenario correctly, then you're able to retain, like I said, that, that final cut right. There's many instances when uh, <laughs> that is a success. So there's another band who kind of followed the Led Zeppelin model more recently in the last couple of decades would be Tool. They mm-hmm. gave up a lot of money uh, in their contract to be able to retain that creative vision. And, you know, their fans are very passionate about what they do and, um, you know, kind of follow them even mm-hmm. over a 13 year hiatus between records. So I think that like, if you are willing to make some compromises in terms of like uh, the economics or the role playing that occurs around uh, a project, mm-hmm. then you're able to, to still focus on, on being creative and doing the thing that attracted people to you in the first place. But those decisions are important and the way you make those decisions are important ultimately to your brand. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, people are going to evaluate you <laughs> that way. You know, you're, yeah. and that's a thing too, that you find in music specifically is like when you were an indie artist before you got signed to a major label, oh, they sold out or whatever. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, for them to be able to do the things that they thought they might need to do or wanted to do uh, with their music or the creative process or the quality of production, they mm-hmm. need uh, that inflow, you know, that influx of money mm-hmm. to be able to hire the quality engineers, work at the quality studios, hire the musicians uh, that can that can execute the music in the way that they perceive. An, an artist that did that really, really well, you know, the band Mars Volta. Yeah. Uh, so you have Cedric and Omar who kind of lead that band. And over the 10 years or whatever that they, they produced that, uh, those records, they mm-hmm. were constantly cycling through different musicians, uh, drummers particularly, but even woodwind artists and, um, you know, John Frusciante from uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm-hmm. uh, performed on a number of their records and toured with them. They toured together. In fact, Omar just had a great vision for being able to utilize musicianship and artistry through the lens of the Mars Volta. And, mm-hmm. you know, those people always seem to want to participate in that or came back to it, you know, and I'm sure that they were, they were paid appropriately. And, and, you know, the financing of that, Mm -hmm. he obviously had enough people in place to make it work. So, and I promised we're going to get to uh, how to create a personal brand in 10 steps here in just a moment. I just want to build this out a little bit, a little bit more. If, if we could, in my introduction, I mentioned uh, Led Zeppelin, Radiohead, Lumineers on the music side, uh, Arthur C. Clarke and, and Stephen King with their uh, identifiable brands. But I guess I'm more talking here about genres is, is a genre the same thing as a brand yeah i think so in that sense that like let's look at this is a maybe the easiest one to address this through would be Uh like horror films Mm -hmm. you know 
in the sense that they kind of have these tropes, not only in terms of like the film, but also the marketing. Um, you know, when you watch their kind of trailers, they they have a, a they have a a general kind of flow about them or mm-hmm. arc through you know a 30 second or one minute two minute trailer right you know they are teasing things and kind of alarming you and scaring you and giving you just enough to make you wonder like what happens here but the the reality is that like pretty much the same thing always happens in horror movies like uh you know people die or (laughs) you Mm know Mm -hmm. you're something pops out from uh just out of view And like, it's meant to scare you. And like that, you know, that's, you go in kind of knowing what you're going to get there. And in that sense, like the horror film genre as a brand is fairly well established and clear cut. So yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that genres can fit into that. You know, are there any, any ones you can think of that kind of fit into that too? Mystery writers fall into, into very much those same templates. So from, from, from book to book, from author to author, there's the setup and 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 the build and the climax and then the resolution, which is sort of part of uh, of of every every book. But but the way and and the the characteristics of those are are very unique to to those genres. Right. So like building on what you were just saying with like mystery or detective stuff, mm-hmm. it's always uh, like the third act twist that references something you are introduced to in the very early chapters. Yes. And, and thematically, that's the brand. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you expect those things, um, you know, and to continue over mm-hmm. to, to draw an analogy between uh, mystery and detective stuff. I would say that like uh, M. Night Shyamalan has mm-hmm. made a film production career out of that where Mm -hmm. you know he's even kind of lampooned himself a bit in that sense (laughs) um you know it whether or not it's self-referential or kind of tongue-in-cheek um you know you expect those things from him Mm -hmm. and that is not uh, that is not only like the theme that he works on that's part of his brand you expect those things Mm -hmm. uh you know maybe in the third act of his career the twist is that he no longer does that so who knows all right, so let's get to uh, how to create a personal brand in ten steps. First of all, how do people find the course? Uh, I, I, we're we're going to post here in the notes, michael-finney.com. Yeah, so you can connect to the book or the video course via mm-hmm. my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is currently available on Udemy or mm-hmm. um, Gumroad. So mm-hmm. those are the two places where I'm distributing the video course. The book, it's a workbook, you know, so basically there are a couple of bookend chapters that just kind of address uh, concepts and things like that, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. are loosely about branding and identity, but really uh, each chapter is a, uh, it's instructional. So you get introduced to ideas and then you are told to uh, perform X, Y, and Z thing. Mm -hmm. So that kind of walks you through and it's really, you know, it's self-guided in that sense in the book. Uh, I do offer consultation with the Gumroad packages. Mm-hmm. So if that's something to where you say like, I have no idea, I really need somebody to help me kind of like even begin to formulate my ideas. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm obviously willing to do that too. But, you know, you know, wherever you're coming from, whether it's at absolute zero ground level, or if you have kind of already established 
some of your trajectory in the sense that mm -hmm. maybe you already have a website, maybe you already have like a logo or something like that. You're able to jump into this thing and proceed through mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, work your way to producing and remixing content and transmuting one type of content into another type of content. So, you know, if you are already a strong blogger, then this might uh, help you convert things into audio or video. If you are a video person, then you might work the other direction and mm -hmm. uh, begin to say like, how can I extend the viability or the formats of mm -hmm. what I've already created? Because I think that you know, as somebody who does that a lot with, with my content, you know, I want to be able to get as much mileage out of this stuff and to be able to instruct other folks. Indeed. To do this Indeed. So, so it's a video with, with a book accompaniment or a video series well, yeah. with a book accompaniment? Uh, well, you know, the video course really stands on its own and okay. I actually created a lot of stuff for the video course mm -hmm. because the, the video course came out after the book. So the book came out last year. I got the video course out this year. I created a lot of unique assets for that. So I'm really kind yeah, of thinking yeah. of going back and updating the book to include some of those graphical elements that I think uh, mm -hmm. drive the message, you know, a little, a little better than I might have in words only or words predominantly within the book. And the book right. is short. It's only like 50 pages. So it's, it's like I said, it's really focused on generating output for yeah. people. It's not meant to be like this, massive uh like in uh, informational thing it's not mm -hmm, a textbook mm -hmm. it is a workbook you know mm -hmm. and, and that's the and that's to say like you could pound through this thing in 10 days if you're mm -hmm. you know that much of a hustler or faster you know depending on how far along you are it might be something that like you know you're loosely working through this thing to mm -hmm. where you know you just want to focus on something for a week and then maybe next month you're going to focus on another one and that's how you kind of approach it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is, you know, self-guided if you want, handheld if you like, mm -hmm. uh, from me in, in another sense. So it, it, it's very flexible. By the way, I saw it on, uh, on Amazon, the workbook for, uh, I think the Kindle was $9.99, the paperback was $14.99. If people are taking, taking the course, obviously the, the point of what you're trying to you're trying to teach people is how to is how to think of themselves as a business first of all and then translate that focus that brand into into a a monetization yes well yeah i think i think so you know i would say i want people to think of themselves as an entity Right. Okay, and, that, okay. and that entity is, you know, perhaps business like, but there's no reason that you can't apply this stuff to, uh, you know, a nonprofit organization or a loose association of folks. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really is flexible. So in that sense, yes, it's name says personal brand, but it could be small business. Mm -hmm. It could be, uh, like I said, an informal collection of people, uh, you know, trying to develop a community geographically or digitally. It could even be anything really. It could mm -hmm. be even used for a film project in the sense that like I have a documentary out and then I was kind of looking to expand that mm -hmm. and pursuing grant funding. And to be able to submit to grants or even to submit my, my finished documentary to, uh, you know, like film contests and things like that, it, it required a collection of assets. So even before I had created 
some of the standalone uh, social media presence that exists for what is the Chicago 1893 project, I was already creating these assets to be able to submit for film festivals via uh, what's called Film Freeway. Mm-hmm. So I had begun to, to collect these things up and I was like, okay, well, they even are asking you <laughs> as you're putting this information in, do you have a Twitter account or an Instagram or a Facebook? And it's like, well, if you're asking me for it, then I probably should. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go do that as well. And like, I had done that for other things. So it wasn't, you know, like, oh gosh, I can't believe they're asking for this. What a surprise. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, I w- had been so busy creating this stuff that I hadn't uh, yet kind of backtracked and done the, the very necessary promotional components. So in that sense, I think that like you can start with these branding processes before you ever mm-hmm. even release mm-hmm. anything. Because again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, developing a community who mm-hmm. want to participate in the conversation, but then potentially also funding. So crowdfunding uh, you know, is obviously something people are familiar with. Yeah. I think it's a great way, again, of testing the viability and say like, look, you know, can we even get enough influx of dollars to begin the first phase of developing this project? And, Mm -hmm. you know, for me as a person who has done the entire Chicago 1893 project Mm -hmm. on my own, besides a little bit of musical contribution from some great artists in that sense, uh, it's been, it's been fantastic to be able to build that up from the ground at a very low budget and then begin to generate dollars from it, begin to even generate conversational opportunities like this from from these projects. I don't think that you have to necessarily start with, you know, a product in the market or a service in the market. Mm -hmm. You can, you can do what is talked about as like, you know, you're discussing your minimum viable product, your, uh, your MVP in, in the, in the business sense, in the startup sense Mm -hmm. to where like, before you even make an offer of a product or a service, you're really getting out there and talking with potential clientele to say like, you know, what problem could we solve with this thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, or what, what pain points do you have and how can I help you, uh, lessen them or alleviate them? with this product or this service in, in the sense of a documentary or in any sense with artwork, you know, it is about informing or entertaining. And like, that is the problem that we're solving. But, but realistically, like if you're an artist, you say you're a musician, uh, you know, we're always kind of very focused on, you know, and I'm a musician as well. We're always very focused on like my emotional expression or a, a musician's emotional expression, a painter's mm-hmm. emotional kind of conveying these things. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that doesn't necessarily, you know, speak to the things that people identified within your work, right? They, yeah, they yeah. might see something else or they might really be dialed into a particular aesthetic that you have explored in the past. And if that's what's selling, well, you know, go ahead and Mm -hmm. like sell that thing to them, create more of those things to sell to those people that doesn't compromise you as an artist, because you can still do all the other things that you want to do to express yourself. And in time, or uh, maybe because you have developed that community, they're going to say, Oh, now they're doing this thing and I want to participate in that because that's where they're at. And I have identified with that artist in the past. And perhaps 
I will identify with these things or, you know, I'll be the early adopter to use a tech or startup term to say like, oh, they really saw something. They were, they were like ahead of the curve on this, this thing or this technique or uh, this technology or whatever. And you jump into that and you're able to say like, you know, well, I, I was there, you know, and acquired or participated and, you know, obviously, you know, that's important to people, as we were saying earlier in regards to music, too, when people say you sell out. But, you know, it's always good to celebrate the folks that, that are able to level up, you know, in that sense, like provided they haven't compromised themselves yeah. too much. You know, mm-hmm. if, they, if they find success, that's good. That's what we should want for each other. Are there common mistakes or assumptions or misconceptions artists make about, uh, about their brand or in finding their brand? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question out of the gate. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that like everybody's shaped differently. Yeah. And so like what you, let me, let me say it this way. We might think it's wrong externally, but it's very difficult to say that it is wrong internally for that person. If they're working through some processes or whatever, like we don't necessarily see the 300 sketches. We just see the final rendition oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And a brand can be that way too. It's okay to try something out and it not to work and you to come back to that thing and do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that sense, like even the, um, you know, how to create a personal brand in 10 steps, it does that too, Mm -hmm. to where it's like, okay, well you can work through these steps. And then at the very end, the instruction is to find someone else to do this with you Mm -hmm. and work through these steps again. And like, it's not to say that you need to work through the exact same process to redevelop what you created for yourself. But seeing how you fit into a group dynamic and then utilizing that to reflect back on what you created for yourself, you might say, well, you know, what I did before doesn't necessarily speak to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to toss that stuff out. You know, brands do it all the time where we see, look at the, the logo for Coca-Cola over the last 135 years or whatever is it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, there's lots of continuity there, but it's also been refined. Pepsi, the same, McDonald's, any of the major brands that you see, they're constantly tweaking and refining things mm-hmm. um, because you know it might not work for the platforms that exist mm-hmm. in 10 years. Like or so, or yeah, changing changing styles and tastes and what have you. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not only the stylistic stuff, but let let's say like look back into the 1990s before social media existed. Yeah. And you know were companies thinking about squares and circles in terms of logo design and emblems and stuff like that? No, not really. Sure, they had these components, but they weren't so focused on the constraints, the shape constraints that we currently have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's to say that, like, uh, for better or worse, you know, um, that's where we are today, mm-hmm. and, and things will change. One thing that everyone listening right now can do to begin building a stronger, more focused brand identity. And, and this is, this is an opening brother for a, uh, for a pitch for your, uh, for your course. Yeah. So what I would say is the one thing that everybody can do is reduce, right? Whatever you've got, try to simplify it. Uh-huh. If you can say it with less, 
then that is probably, uh, you've probably got more. Oftentimes people that um, are trying to craft with words are saying things with too many words. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can say it with less words, uh, you have a very short period of time to catch people's attention in the Mm -hmm. sense that like, uh, you know, what is an elevator pitch? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very short pitch, mm-hmm. uh, you have a very small amount of time to catch people's attention visually or audibly and to be able to convey those things rapidly. You know, mm-hmm. I advocate for that. Uh, I am a concise person, obviously here I am talking with you at length, but that's kind of, you know, that's because this, this is the vehicle, right. But, um, you know, the reason why we've arrived here is hopefully because I was able to convey myself in in a concise and attractive enough way that mm-hmm. it led you to want to have me participate. And, um, you know, that's basically true for anything that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, that that's the that's the thing I would tell people to do. And, and I have to say that I, I threw I threw a lot at you or I feel I threw a lot at you and, and you took them one one right after another. So this is also important for for artists speaking earlier today to Rascal Martinez, the uh, the artist in uh, in Nebraska. He lives his brand. He's got this clean, wholesome, uh, um, you know, heart, heart and soul of of Americana brand persona that is his stage and and his music but that's him he lives that he's a sweet sweet guy he comes to everybody with complete respect so where does a brand begin and where does it where does it end in in your estimation i'd say if you're a holistic and integrated person there isn't you know there's a Um, you know, I like to talk about, uh, lighted space and shaded space Mm -hmm. and the penumbra, which is the gradient that goes between them. Great artists, great people. There really isn't a difference. You know, you don't notice that you're moving from one to the other, uh, because your, your eyes aren't having to make a massive adjustment to their character, uh, regardless of where they are. And, you know, like everybody has bad days, you know what I mean? That's just the nature Mm -hmm. of being human. Yeah. We got these endocrine systems strapped to us and we're <laughs> hormonal, you know, but I think at the same time, like you can, you can really tell when someone is, uh, you know, trying to be uh, empathic, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't want to like, I don't want to be too fluffy about that or anything. I think that like, th- it's very easy to, to say that like uh, we are, confusing like sympathy and empathy but Mm -hmm. like the the reality is that if somebody is continually looking to endorse you or you know listen to what you have to say and help promote what you're doing like that to me that's very empathic because Mm -hmm. like anybody who has uh, been in that situation starting something new or trying to like build themselves up in the world like knows Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how much clawing and scratching you have to do to get heard and to get seen out in the world like there's and it's and it's nothing against the world and the people out there like we are constantly inundated with information and messages and uh demands on our time and it, it is not to to say that the person attempting to get that attention doesn't have something worthwhile to say mm-hmm. or that isn't worth investing into in whatever capacity 
you know, you, you choose to. Mm-hmm. It just means that like everybody's schedules are, <laughs> they didn't start at the moment they woke up that day. Yeah, indeed. They indeed. may have started, uh, you know, last week. So, uh, or a month before or years before when they arrived at the conclusion that they were going to try and execute something. So, and, and, and I want to get back to the original piece that you said there, uh, but I, I kind of went off on a tangent, I think. No, no, that, that that's fine. So I, I guess before we wrap up here, let's hear the elevator pitch on what is unique about Michael Finney and how to create a personal brand in 10 steps. I'm just a regular person. I am also a creative. I have been a musician for a great long time, started it as a teenager and have made records and performed, helped other people record, performed on, on other people's material, played all kinds of music, uh, whether that was symphonic or jazz or metal, acoustic, vocals, mm-hmm. instruction, uh, taught lessons, even played in a bagpipe band marching for a little while. Wow. Wow. That's always my lens, you know, uh, mm-hmm. is to be able to think or uh, in an orchestrated way uh-huh. and to think systemically and to think about how you layer these things and build them. And that's really what How to Create a Personal Brand in 10 Steps does. It is an orchestrated and layered attempt at building a brand where you're uh, placing one block after another. And mm-hmm. then once you've got your base layer, you're able to stack the next blocks until finally you look back at, at you're at, you're done with the 10th step and you say, oh, wow, I've created a lot of stuff. And now uh, I've got this presence if I want to continue extending it, I can just go back to, you know, this step, start there again Mm -hmm. and work my way forward with each theme or concept. And that's what I do. These are the things that that I have utilized to create the Chicago 1893 project, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that started as a Twitter thread and then moved into a book, became a documentary and is now uh, we're we're right on the cusp of uh, showing the extended reality, the augmented reality stuff. So I was just up in the city yesterday doing a little bit of filming mm-hmm. and we'll start to release a couple of views of that in, in the next month and working with the folks you know, that I'm working with on that project is kind of the end point of this 10 step guide. And then yeah. it's like, go reach out to other folks and pull them into the process and get them involved with it too. So that's kind of what I'm doing. We could all use a succinct guidebook or step-by-step approach to, uh, as you said, uh, reducing to, um, to bettering our brand. Author Michael Finney is a business strategy consultant focused on media and message. The website is michael-finney.com. We will link to that in the notes as well as how to create a personal brand in 10 steps, a content development workbook for beginners and uh, also Michael's podcast, the, The Episodic. Michael, thank you so much. Hey, Bill, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a good time. Pretty in-depth conversation about this stuff, and I'm glad glad we did. Please come back and visit us. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be wonderful. Our indie artist for this episode is from Alexandria, Egypt. Osman Naga studied at Oxford. She is a working mother and wife who still finds time to create beautiful, heartfelt music. Find her on Facebook and subscribe to Osma's YouTube channel. A link to Osman Naga on YouTube is in the notes below. This is her latest single, Is Your Heart Okay? I don't know Wanna 
take with me wherever, wherever I go. Long car rides on streets I haven't seen, and photographs of places that I haven't been. Homesick for calm. 